Pastor Xavier Reese and God's plan for his people. God, please, through Israel, repent and turn from all your transgressions so that iniquity will not be in your ruin. Do you realize how much God wants you to live abundantly and not destroy yourself, let alone perish for eternity? Hmm. Therefore, turn and live. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Many churches today focus on a what's-in-it-for-me message. They want to entice and entertain rather than preach the whole counsel of the Word of God. Today, as we continue our new series, Pastor Xavier explores the heart of the messenger and the message in today's study, Ezekiel the Colorful Prophet. The prophet Ezekiel is a reminder that no one gets away with their sin. As the scripture says, your sin will find you out. Ezekiel is a very colorful prophet who shared the captivity with his people, and he was sent by God to deliver many messages to the house of Israel. Now, through vivid demonstrative charades, if you will, type preaching, Ezekiel was to provoke the captive's attention to communicate clearly the prophetic message of God regarding their sin and captivity. It was due to the judgment of God. You see, they had some weird theology. They were deceiving themselves. And I think a lot of people in the church today are doing the same thing. So what I want to do this morning is look to the prophet Ezekiel from a threefold lens, if you will. First, we want to look at the person of Ezekiel. Secondly, the personal call of Ezekiel. And we'll finish off with the particular ministry of Ezekiel. This will give us a good panoramic look of him. Let's begin here with the person Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel was a priest. Both he and Jeremiah were of the priestly line. But this was not always the case. Prophets were usually called outside of the priesthood because the priesthood became corrupt. But these two were of the priestly line. Now, Jeremiah was in Jerusalem coming to the end of his ministry, while Ezekiel here is about to begin his ministry. So it's almost like back-to-back and kind of like a, a, a relay. You pass the baton. He was called by God in the fifth year of Jehoiakim after his captivity. And um, in chapter 2, verse 5, it says that he was called to be a prophet to the nation. Now, remember, Jeremiah was called to be a prophet to the nation also. But he was in Jerusalem. Ezekiel is in Babylon. The two were called to confront the sinful people and the false prophets. One in Jerusalem, the other one in Babylon. Now, the call of Ezekiel was characterized by constantly falling on his face. God always, get up, get up. Always falling on his face. But that's good. You know why? He revered God. The focus was the glory of God. It is both bitter and sweet, he says. The bitter experience was in seeing the departure of God's glory from the temple out to the Mount of Olives in chapter 10 and 11. The sweet experience was in seeing it return during the millennial kingdom in chapter 43 as it comes back. Incredible. This man was just so bound by God, falling on his face in the fear of God. In chapter 4, verse 1, he was called to sketch the city of Jerusalem and the siege through a tile. 
So he used to be doing all this thing. People go, hey, what are you doing, Ezekiel? Oh, this is a city. God's going to siege it. Jerusalem's going down. In chapter 4, verse 4, he was to lay on one side the number of days according to the years of, of their guilt and then the other side. And they would come by, what are you doing laying there? He was to provoke the people, the questions. Very vivid. In chapter 4, 9 through 13, he was to eat his food by measurement and water to represent the defiled bread Israel would eat among the Gentiles. In chapter 5, verse 2 through 3, he was to cut some of his hair and his beard and strike a third by the sword. A third would be wiped out by the sword. The other third would be thrown into the wind. They'd be scattered. And the other rest, a few hairs inside his belt, the remnant. And they were to ask him, what are you doing, Ezekiel? You can imagine these guys saying, this guy thinks he's a prophet. He's burned down. I think he's been out in the sun too long. He's doing all these stuff and everything else. Then in chapter 12, he's supposed to uh, um, get a, a lot of his furnishing stuff, put it in a, in, a, in, a, in a sack and put it over his shoulder, dig a hole through the wall, climb through it, covering his eyes to depict how Jerusalem's going to be taken and the king, King Zedekiah, but he's going to flee, but he's going to be captured. And he's going to come to Babylon, but he's never going to see it. This guy is burned out. Noah must have been um, an interesting, um, colorful character for 120 years as he built this boat. People going by, hey, Noah, what are you doing? Building a boat, flood coming. Flood? How? Rain, rain. What's rain? Oh, these little drops of water from the sky? Oh, all right, Noah. See you tomorrow. He was the talk of the town. 120 years. He acted out the message of deliverance. The only way of deliverance. To provoke people to ask questions. To proclaim the clear message. They all mocked. The flood came. And only Noah and his family were saved. What a picture of today. The key is in getting my instructions from God. Through the word prayer. That he speak to me, direct me personally. You remember the book of Acts uh, when God saved Saul, Paul of Saul of Tarsus, Paul. In Acts 9, 10, 11, listen. He speaks to Ananias. Now, there was a certain disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And he came to him, Lord, in a vision. He says, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And so the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the streets called Straight and inquire of the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And he sends him. You know the rest of that. Now, if Ananias would have gone and asked everybody, you know, you think I should go this and that? They would have said, Hey, Ananias, you're crazy, man. That couldn't be the Lord. Forget it. Listen, you need to go to the Lord to see what he has you to do. Don't be asking all kinds of people. I run it through some people that you trust and ask them to pray, but you're the only one that can determine. Lord, he has letters to bound Christians. He, he, he's terrible. Really? Oh, thanks, Ananias. I didn't know that. God sent him. My attitude is most important. As I am obeying the Lord as his instrument, I must do it with humility, reverence, to not misrepresent God, but to represent him properly. Listen to the response of Nehemiah in verse 17 of Acts 9. Ananias went in his way. He entered the house and laying his hands on Paul, he said, Brother Saul, 
The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Boom. What if Ananias would have been talking to so many people? You think I should do this? You think it's the Lord, this and that? You have the word of God. You have the spirit of God. You have to be obedient what God calls you to do. You understand? Have people pray for you, run things, but you have to trust in the Lord. You'll be obedient to what the Lord has called you to do. Well, you know, the Lord, you know, my, this Christian, she, she, she did this and he did that and she left her husband and she left that and this and that, so you run your lives by them. No! You run your lives by the word of God, what it says in principle, and then his direct leading to your life. Do not be a quacking duck. Just stick being a stinking sheep and depend on the Lord, okay? We're sheep, not ducks. I need to ask God for wisdom on how I handle situations, what I say, what I do, so that God can work in the person that he wants me to reach. You remember Nathan was sent by God to David after his sin. And because Nathan was so obedient and he represented God right, this is the response of David in 2 Samuel 12, 13, and 14. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord Yahweh. And Nathan said to David, the Lord Yahweh has also put away your sin. You shall not die, however, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemy of the Lord Yahweh to blaspheme. The child also who is born to you shall surely die. There was a proper response from David. Nathan was an obedient vessel to represent God properly. As difficult as the task was, as awkward. The personal call of Ezekiel was unique, like no other prophet, just like you're unique. There's no one like you. Do you understand that? There is no one that can take your place in the kingdom. You're unique. Now, what are you doing with it? Lastly, the particular ministry of Ezekiel will help us out here. In chapter 2, verse 5, Ezekiel was to officiate the priestly office. He would have no temple to officiate in. He was a prophet in a foreign land. And it's for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. In chapter 16 of Ezekiel, uh, he would be a faithful priest of God and uh, declare to them the abominations of Jerusalem. In chapter 20, verse 1, he would uh, be the intercessor for the elders as they came to ask him of God. What an awesome responsibility that they would come to him and he would have to represent them to God. And he would give them the word of God. In Ezekiel 22, 26, uh, he would instruct them on the holy and the profane. Listen to it. Uh, Her priests have violated my law and profane my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and the unholy, nor have they made known the difference between unclean and clean. They have hidden their eyes from my Sabbath so that I am profane among them. They were doing all this. What, what, what? We haven't done nothing. He would remind the foolish shepherds and prophets of their judgment to come. Ezekiel 13, 1 through 3 says, And the word of Yahweh came to me saying, Son of man, Prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy and say it to those who prophesy out of their own hearts. 
Hear the word of the Lord Yahweh. Thus saith the Lord Yahweh Elohim. Woe to the foolish prophets. They're not riding a horse. Woe is judgment. Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and even have seen nothing. Boy, are we in the day of prophets who see nothing and they declare this thing and people go head over heels over this junk. Listen, you have God's word. He's not the author of confusion. The word of the Lord Yahweh came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus saith the Lord Yahweh Elohim to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherd feed the flock? Ezekiel 34, 1 and 2. Wow, Jesus is the good shepherd. We are under shepherds. And he holds us responsible. And by the way, all their punishment is due to the breaking of the covenant. You always must tie the prophets of judgment to Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28, 29, and 30. They've broken the covenant. And God says, if you do this, I will bless you. If you do this, I'll get you. Now, you know God can't lie, right? So he has to do it. Now, in chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, Ezekiel was to officiate the prophetic office. They would know that there was a prophet among them, even if they did not obey, as we've seen. The problem was their hearts were uncircumcised towards God, as Jeremiah 4.4 4 said. The heart's the problem. We saw that in our last study of the family. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage is the heart. Here in Ezekiel 2, 6-8, he was not to fear them, regardless of their looks, nor be rebellious like them, just like the call of Jeremiah. I make you an iron pillar, brazen wall. Don't be confounded before the faces, lest I dismay you. Whoa. Chapter 3, verse 7 through 9. Their impudent heart, hearts would be met by Ezekiel's adamant stone character, harder than flint. Nose to nose, toe to toe. Let's do it. You don't back off. Chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. His message was presented as a scroll, which he was seen that he might receive all of God's word into his heart and deliver it faithfully. It must affect me first. When you get to chapter 13, verse 16 and 19, the false prophets were giving false hope, declaring that they would soon return to Jerusalem, to which Jeremiah wrote to the captives to settle down and to seek peace of the city in Jeremiah 29. Again, they're combating them from both ends. You remember the Shemaiah, uh, the Nilamite sent a reply to Sephaniah in Jerusalem to imprison Jeremiah because he was discouraging the captives. You find that in Jeremiah 29, 24 through 28. And remember that Jeremiah suffered greatly. They threw him in prison. They threw him in that cistern. Ezekiel's task began by ministering at Babylon six years before the fall of Jerusalem and confirming the captivity as a judgment of God recorded in the first 24 chapters from chapter 1 to 24 is that judgment from 24 on then he deals with the nations Gentiles and when you get to about 33, 34 he begins the future restoration Ezekiel was told by Yahweh that God would answer the people according to the multitude of their idols as we've seen that is a scary thing In fact, he was told by God that if Noah, Daniel, 
and Job were present in that city, they would only deliver themselves in Ezekiel 14, 14, and 20. So already Ezekiel is pointing to the reputation of Daniel in the palace as a man of prayer. He has interpreted the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar. He's a ruler. Interesting. And God says, these people are so bad that if these three men of prayer, Job, Daniel, and Noah, they would deliver no one except themselves. Wow. Hope a man is basically good. Finish the sentence. Good for nothing. We're just good at sinning. I, I don't, I've had plenty of practice through life. Ezekiel was to officiate the pastoral office. He is called by this title, Son of Man, a title that appears 93 times in the book of Ezekiel, 93 times. The title is significant of the humanity, the frailty of Ezekiel, one with the people. Daniel is called Son of Man. Jesus picks up that title, identifying with the human race. It appears 81 times in the gospel, Four times the rest of the New Testament. Once in Acts, once in Hebrews, two times in the book of Revelation. So he was called to be the watchman. The watchman of the house of Israel. Chapter 3, verse 17. Chapter 33, verse 2, 6, and 7. What an awesome responsibility. The word means a keeper like a sentinel. The sentinel would be up in the tower at night with his eyes like a beacon. The whole city security was under his responsibility. If he saw anything, he was to give the cry. If he did not, he would be responsible for the blood of every person that was killed. This is the picture. The one whom God would hold responsible for the people of Israel regarding the revelation of God. If you don't tell them, I will get you, Ezekiel. I will hold you responsible. The message was not Ezekiel's. It was God. The authority was not Ezekiel's. It was God. The responsibility of Ezekiel was to proclaim it, not for the response. My responsibility is to proclaim it. The response is your responsibility. I'm to proclaim it faithfully, in love, in authority, in confidence. And then it's up to you what you do with it. He was in tune with the people. He knew what was happening today. He quotes Proverbs. He quotes uh, a little uh, saints, the theology of the day, and he rebukes it, and we'll catch that as we go through the book. He was to communicate to the house of Israel God's attitude of love. Chapter 18 is very, very clear. Um, let me just give you a few of them. In 1820, uh, they were accusing God of judging man for the sins of others. He says, the soul who sins shall die. The, the son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wickedness be upon himself. So nobody will pay for anybody's sin. You will stand before God for your life, your sin. The wicked could repent, by the way, he says in verse 21 and 22. If the wicked man turns from all his sins, which he has committed, and keeps all my statutes, and does what the law, what is lawful and right, he shall... Surely live. He shall not die. None of his transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him. Because of the righteous which he has done, he shall live. So God gives room for repentance all the time. But equally, as you move down to 23, the heart of God is revealed. Listen to it. 
Do I have any pleasure at all in the wicked should die, says the Lord Yahweh, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? Of course. God doesn't want anybody to perish. If anybody ends up in hell, if you end up in hell, you have no one to blame but yourself. God has never sent one person to hell. People send themselves by rejecting the way to heaven through Jesus Christ. God sends no one to hell. In fact, in verse 24 of chapter 18, the righteous could turn away from his righteousness. Listen. But when the righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity and does according to all the abominations that the wicked man does, shall he live? No. All the righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered because of the unfaithfulness of which he is guilty and the sin which he has committed. Because of them he shall die. Jesus said, abide in me. Stay in the stinking boat. <laughs> Stay in the boat. Stay in the yard. It's a big yard. It's a big boat. So the Lord rebukes Israel, 29 and 30. Yet the house of Israel says, the ways of the Lord are not fair. O house of Israel, is it not my ways which are fair and your ways which are not fair? Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, says the Lord Yahweh Elohim. Repent and turn from all your transgressions so that iniquity will not be in your ruin. Do you realize how much God wants you to live abundantly and not destroy yourself? Let alone perish for eternity? Hmm. God pleads through Israel in the final verses 31 and 32. Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed and get yourself a new heart, a new spirit. For why should you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of, the, of one who dies, says the Lord Yahweh Elohim. Turn, therefore turn and live. You know, we opened up with the principle of sowing and reaping, which brings heaviness in a person's life. But the flip side of that is the grace of God. One put it this way, listen. The echoes of our sowing and reaping are hard to stop. Only God can stop them unless he does. Eternal chaos and echoes will become a, a, a variable hell. For eternity will be the echoes of time. The lost in hell will suffer the torment of the eternal echoes of their wicked deeds, thoughts, and words. But God can stop the echoes and will for all who put their trust in Christ. The promise is, I will forgive their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. Jeremiah 31, 34. That's the invitation. David Livingston said this, that great explorer, with one sweep, sweep of the penny, he wrote this, these magnificent sentences. I will go anywhere provided it be forward. Repentance is a decision to go forward. Forward. Each believer is to do his priestly duty, to live holy. And confront other believers who are living ungodly. We have that responsibility. Paul put it this way to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.2. Let no one despise your youth. Be an example of the believer in word, conduct, love, spirit, faith, and purity. All believers need to be able to exercise their prophetic office too. You need to know the word of God so you can give an answer to people of the end times, the coming tribulation, the Antichrist, what's going to happen. Giving an answer to every man for the reason of the hope that lies in you with meekness and fear, 1 Peter 3.15. Do you study the Word of God? Or are you just sticking the Gospels? Or are you just a prophecy buff and that's all you know? you got to be well-rounded. Genesis to Revelation. It takes time. So grab a chair. Open your Bible. Valuable things we've learned here from Ezekiel. The person of Ezekiel 
have been prepared for the task. So have you, and so are you being prepared. The personal call of Ezekiel was unique, like no other prophet, but so are you. Don't compare yourself among yourself, lest you be unwise. The particular ministry of Ezekiel was to be a faithful shepherd, and so are you, in obeying the word of God. God has a purpose just for you. Pastor Xavier Reese with a gentle reminder of being prepared and ready for service in the name of the Lord. Now today's message, Ezekiel the Colorful Prophet, is available on CD for only $4. And this will also include what Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together. Now once again, the title to ask for is Ezekiel the Colorful Prophet, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing... Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. What does God look like? A view of heaven on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California, www.calvarychapelpasadena.com.